The views expressed in this program are those of the participants. Now, I know this is hard for people at home to comprehend, so what are we looking at, Dr. Rubel? The scale and scope. A scale we've never dreamed. A scope that quickly becomes global. A massive contagion, then. Not one contagion, but a variety of contagions. If the flu doesn't kill you, then something else will. You're describing it as a fast-moving AIDS, without the HIV. Our immune systems decimated by the same tampering to all our genomes. Who will be first hit? The people we most depend on, the police, healthcare workers, then people in metropolitan areas. Suddenly, Tad O'Malley is the singular voice of authority. Is this at all plausible? It's all too plausible, and I think it's already happening. Welcome, everyone. It is Thursday, January 13, 2022. I'm Bob Metz, and this is Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Join us for an hour of discussion that's not right-wing. It's Just Right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be We have been saying from the start of the COVID pandemic that all roads lead to vaccinations. Every official narrative, every contradiction, every statistic, every propaganda lie is invariably a variant of this goal and agenda. Part of the political and fascist agenda called Agenda 21 and Agenda 30, or whatever other name you care to give this unprecedented crime against humanity the great reset, or the great upset, or the great setup. Call it what you want, because they all apply. When it comes to the COVID pandemic itself, I really hate having to talk about the vaccines at all, when we know that the real agenda is political. But the vaccines are the tool, the weapon. And we've once again reached a point where something needs to be said, given the frenzied efforts of politicians to insist that everyone, meaning every man, woman, and child in the nation, must be put on this regimen of perpetual injections tied to a political document called a vaccine passport. There have been a number of frightening discoveries and developments about the vaccine itself that will surface over the course of the show today. And on a different kind of vaccine front, there's the controversy surrounding Donald Trump's continuing support of the vaccines and his complete failure to acknowledge the overwhelming evidence that demonstrates the danger of these vaccines. What gives? Some of the possibilities may surprise you when it all gets underway, right after our reminder that you can write us at feedback at justrightmedia.org. Hear us on WBCQ and on Channel 292 Shortwave. Follow and like us on your favorite podcast platform and visit us at justrightmedia.org where you can access all of our social media links and our archived broadcasts. As always, your financial support is appreciated and is what makes this show possible. Now, speculation about a coming national mandatory vaccination for all citizens in Canada has been fueled by... Canada's Prime Minister Trudeau recently making some outrageous comments in French on a French interview program in Quebec. And here is that translation, and I quote, Yes, we will get out of this pandemic by vaccination. We all know people who are a little bit hesitant. We will continue to try to convince them. But there are also 
people who are fiercely against vaccination. They are extremists who don't believe in science. They're often misogynists and often racists. It's a small group that muscles in. And we have to make a choice in terms of leaders, in terms of the country. Do we tolerate these people? Or do we say, hey, most of the Quebecois people, 80% are vaccinated. We want to come back to things we like doing. It's not the vaccinated who are blocking us, end quote. Well, to hear words like that coming out of the mouth of any politician in a Western nation, let alone Canada, is an obscenity beyond all of the deleted expletives we would normally never allow on this show. Not only is every word in Trudeau's statement demonstrably false, it reveals the character of a man who is, in my opinion, despicable and deplorable. Yes, he's doing exactly the opposite of what any responsible leader in a real pandemic would do. Every word of this agenda was written and scripted years ago, and now, befittingly, the master of drama theatrics is parroting his lines and acting out the great reset script. No doubt the theatrics helped to make the promotion of his intolerance popular. And not only has he promoted a division between the vaccinated and unvaccinated, quote-unquote, but he has also subdivided the unvaxxed into two subcategories, the little bit hesitant and the fiercely against. <laughs> the first group needs to be convinced, while the second should not be tolerated. Of course, this implies that those in the first group who fail to be convinced, quote-unquote, will end up in the second group where they will not be tolerated and will be found to be among the extremists, those who don't believe in science, and who are often misogynist and also racist. You know that group. <laughs> Curiously, those are all the labels that the left routinely smears on the right. And of course, anyone who truly understands racism also understands it to be exclusively a phenomenon of the left, where all forms of collectivism, including fascism and group identities, reign. Not on the right, where individualism and freedom reign. These are contradictory things and they don't exist. All racism is a left ideology. And then there's the big catch-22 regarding the whole vax scam in the first place. Everyone who is currently vaccinated, quote-unquote, will soon reach the expiry date of that status. And forevermore, and increasingly frequently, will have to keep updating their status by allowing a never-tested, never-tried-on-human-beings experimental vaccine, quote-unquote, that even its inventor is screaming is dangerous, being perpetually injected into their bodies. Now, of course, that inventor is Dr. Robert Malone, who surprised everyone recently when he reiterated the mass formation theory of Dr. Matthias Desmet on the Joe Rogan Show and elsewhere. We discussed the whole mass formation phenomenon on last week's show and on a previous episode featuring Dr. Desmet himself. And I have to say that it has become a talking point among almost all pundits on the right. And this, of course has now given the left an opportunity to refer to mass formation as just another conspiracy theory of the right-wing extremists, etc., etc., etc. You get the general idea. But here's a bit of what Dr. Malone had to say. Basically, European intellectual inquiry into what the heck happened in Germany in the 20s and 30s. You know, very intelligent, highly educated population, and they went barking mad. Um, and how did that happen? The answer is mass formation psychosis. 
When you have a society that has become decoupled from each other and has free-floating anxiety and a sense that things don't make sense, we can't understand it, and then their attention gets focused by a leader or a series of events on one small point, just like hypnosis, they literally become hypnotized and can be led anywhere. And one of the aspects of that phenomena is the people that they identify as their leaders, the ones typically that come in and say, you have this pain and I can solve it for you. I and I alone, okay, can fix this problem for you. Okay, then they will lead, they will follow that person through, it doesn't matter whether they lie to them or whatever. The data are irrelevant. And furthermore, anybody who questions that narrative is to be immediately attacked. They are the other. This is central to mass formation psychosis. And this is what has happened. We had all those conditions. If you remember back before 2019, everybody was complaining, the world doesn't make sense, blah, blah, blah. Um, and we're all isolated from each other. We're all on our little tools. We're not connected socially anymore, except through social media. Um, and then this thing happened and everybody focused on it. That is how mass formation psychosis happens. It's remarkable how this theory of mass psychosis has become part of our zeitgeist itself, and we'll be hearing more references to it as our show progresses. But first, here's a January 4th discussion between Laura Lynn Tyler Thompson and Dr. Julie Ponesi, an ethics professor unethically dismissed from her teaching profession at the University of Western Ontario, which happens to be located in my own hometown of London, Ontario. And remember, all roads lead to vaccinations. We have seen Trudeau over and over again dissing the vaccine-free and creating a culture of bullying, hatred. And when Dr. Malone talks about what, ha what happened in Nazi Germany, it's not far off, is it? Well, we have an amazing guest today. And I would like to show you, if we can, a clip I think we pulled up real fast of, of what happened. This is how we got to know Dr. Julie Panessi when she first released a video that pretty much went viral. It's Julie Panessi, and this message is about mandatory vaccinations. I am a professor of ethics at Huron College at the University of Western Ontario. It's one of the largest universities in Canada. Today, I'm going to teach you a short lesson on the universally accepted ethics of coercing people into medical procedures. I'll be the example. My employer has just mandated that I must get a vaccine for COVID-19. If I want to keep working at my job as a professor, I have to take this vaccine. Here's my conundrum. My school employs me to be an authority on the subject of ethics. I hold a PhD in ethics and ancient philosophy. And I'm here to tell you it's ethically wrong to coerce someone to take a vaccine. If it happens to you, you don't have to do it. If you don't want a COVID vaccine, don't take one. End of discussion. It's your own business. But that is not the approach of the University of Western Ontario, which has suddenly required that I be vaccinated immediately or not report for work. Dr. Julie Panessi was relieved of her position. When 
you were first approached, if I could go back, were you shocked that you were actually being asked this? Did you see this storm coming to get the vaccine? Uh, Yes and no. So once the narrative really got going, I don't know, eight or 10 months ago now, it was pretty clear to me by that point that we would be looking at uh, vaccine as a response to COVID-19 because all of the treatments on the market that were working incredibly effectively, but are very cost effective, very safe, were not being acknowledged by our College of Physicians and Surgeons, by various professional organizations throughout Canada, and certainly not by our government. Uh, and so when that became very clear that that was the position of our so-called public health officials, in spite of overwhelming evidence, then there is in my mind a fundamental kind of irrationality going on. Robert Malone is, is very right about that. Was I surprised in a broader sense that we could have gotten to this place generally in Canada? So if you had asked me that two years ago, I would have said, no way, we would never have a civil liberties crisis in this country again. We would never have this kind of failure of the scientific process of transparency and openness in medicine, in the media, and politics. I would have staked everything on that. Um, I was wrong, <laughs> flat wrong. If we lose mm -hmm. bodily autonomy, what does that mean for us? We have a very long-standing structure of law and also bioethics principles that encode the principles to do with informed consent and autonomy in medicine. And, you know, basically the whole field of medical ethics and law pertaining to medicine and a large part of medical practice has been focused on understanding what it means for a patient to be competent to make decisions for him or herself and, and what it means to consent to a medical procedure, which is what something like vaccination is, you know? And we're even seeing things like uh, employers or our government say that, well, you know, if you're not going to vaccinate, then at least you have to submit to testing or, or rapid testing. Well, we seem to have conveniently forgotten that, that that tests of that form are medical procedures as well, which also require consent. And we've just had a complete ignoring, a complete dismissal of this idea that is not only entrenched in our medical documents and our, in our legal code, but is supported by our charter, and I think in many people's view, and I think rightly by our constitution. And the reason why informed consent is so important is because it recognizes that the person, him or herself, should be the author of his or her own life. And a big part of that is what happens to our bodies, right? Um, and when we forget that, when we lose track of that, and we say that we can just outsource our thinking about what's going to happen to our body to someone else, you know, we are saying that I'm no longer the owner of my body. I no longer have property rights in my body. Who has them? The government, maybe? Our police force? Some other global entity? Who knows, right? And do we want that kind of world? in exactly. which our bodies are owned by someone or some entity other than ourselves. And one of the reasons why um, informed consent is so important is because we are the ones who will bear the consequences of what happens to our body, good or bad. So we should have a say, we should have the ultimate say in that, right?
when, when Trudeau says something like, uh, <laughs> you know, people who resist or question, and I'm going to put this in much you know, nicer language than he did. But, uh, you know, when people who resist the mandates or, or choose to remain vaccine free, as you put it, uh, he says they're unsci unscientific, that we're not on board with progress, we're misogynistic, we're racist. Um, and he doesn't give any evidence for that. And he calls someone like me unscientific. Uh, I just take that. I mean, you know, one thing we talk in critical thinking a lot about is how you know when you can't have a productive conversation with another person. And I don't think that Justin Trudeau is the kind of person with whom it's possible to have meaningful dialogue for that reason, because he's just, he's just being a bully who is no better um, than the kid with the biggest body and the loudest voice and the meanest attitude on the playground. You know, and he's become, what's terrifying about it is that during our election, I remember so clearly he was wearing the, like the Canada Letterman's jacket, right? And, and red faced veins bulging. And he said, don't think, you know, he's so irate. Don't think you're getting on a plane next Not to vaccinated people. My thought in that moment was, oh, he just lost the election. What an idiot. Well, I was the idiot because I found out afterwards they had very carefully polled the Canadian public. He knew that's what it would take to win the election. He did it. He was strategic. He was very successful. That's what's scary. That that's the kind of thing that gets you elected in supposedly the freest country in the world right now. And you use the word terrifying. And I believe to a lot of people that is the word. Um, we're not afraid of COVID-19. We're not afraid of, you know, getting uh, a sneeze from Omicron, but we are terrified of what our government is doing. And the question that I've been asking is, knowing what we're seeing, where is this going? It's not stopping. It's not as if the prime minister is going, you know, I've had <gasps> Omicron actually is probably going to, you no. know, kill the pandemic. So we're done with it. No, they are doubling down. And it's scary. It's very scary. Uh, you know, you, you say that that people are afraid of our government. Uh, to be honest, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suggest an amendment to that. And you tell me what you think. I think what people are fundamentally terrified about. Maybe this has been true of our entire human history, uh, but I think it's especially true today in the era of uh, so being conspicuous on the internet, that kind of surveillance and in the era of social media, I think what we're terrified of is social ostracization. P I think people are terrified of having happened to them, what's happening to me. Um, and where are we going? I think we're headed to a national mandate. And, a national uh, mandate, and what, what would that be? I think that we are very soon going to hear that provincially and federally, they are going to require of every citizen, not in virtue of your employment, not in virtue of, you know, attending a certain university, but they are going to require of every citizen COVID vaccination. We have, I think, in the last few weeks, especially a couple of weeks before Christmas starting, uh, to see priming in our media for exactly this thing. There was an article uh, in the CBC uh, a couple of weeks before Christmas that talked about, well, why vaccine mandates wouldn't really work in Canada. And they consulted a couple of professors from U of T, I think. 
Now, just yesterday, unless it was this morning or just yesterday, very recently, there was an article in the Globe and Mail, an opinion piece by a U of T law professor saying why I think we need to have a national mandate in Canada, why the evidence is perfectly clear, why the, and I'm not going to remember the exact wording, but, you know, why the unvaccinated are just perfect little incubators for um, the COVID virus. Uh, it's a slow, gradual priming that our mainstream media is completely on board with. And media is God today for many people. Uh, if the star doesn't say it, if the National Post doesn't say it, if Global doesn't say it, then it's not true. That's terrifying, but it's our reality. And I think people need to, you know, whatever you're doing right now, stop and make this the sole focus of your life. Because if not, in months, we're going to be trapped in a country and, in my view, subject to things like you know, the, the searching of police through our house uh, and possible arrest of citizens Quarantine and possible force. Well, these exist already. Why do we think these exist? Why were they built? The, the fact that there's no discernment is so shocking to me that people are just going along. Well, can I say something that might be a little bit helpful? Um, and, and that is that, you know, the decision to get vaccinated is a medical choice. The decision to use the vaccine passport or any other kind of privilege you get as a result of getting vaccinated is a political choice, right? And if you feel that vaccination is the right thing for you, medically speaking, then do it by all means. That's what informed choice is about in our free country. Um, but, but when you use that in order to segregate the society, in order to give yourself a privilege that others don't have when it isn't based on sound evidence, that's what allows fuel to be added to this fire. So I would encourage people to think hard about whether or not they wanna make that political choice in our country. That's a rather chilling assessment of where we're heading here in Canada. From a person who's been seeing the obvious evidence from the very beginning, leading to the conclusion that all roads lead to vaccinations. Now, I'm most appreciative of Dr. Panessi's emphasis on the meaning of consent. You know, Freedom Party for many years published a commentary magazine called Consent, and the premise of its perspective, if you will, was expressed in the quotation, to those who consent, no injustice is done. Consent is the defining social and moral principle upon which all free societies function. It presumes individualism, because individuals are the only entities capable of consent. Consent must never be confused with consensus. Consensus presumes a collective of some sort, which could be anything from a government to a political party to a social club or a family deciding where they want to go for the holidays. But consent always precedes a legitimate consensus. Before you participate in a voting process, a process of consensus, you have to consent to abide by the consequences of that process. And also bear in mind that consent does not necessarily imply agreement. I might disagree with something, but I agree to go along with the consensus in a given situation. And that situation must always be voluntary, of course. 
Now here's yet another voice on the theme of mass formation. In conversation with Dell Bigtree, Dr. Mark McDonald says he may have a solution to confronting much of the fear that people are encountering. Well, it's the term that broke the internet, and uh, and the book all about this is the United States of Fear. I'm joined right now by the author, Dr. Mark McDonald. Um, first of all, let's sort of get some things straight. I mean, obviously, this term is now all over the internet. Everyone's talking about it, but it's not exactly the right term, right? This term, mass formation psychosis. Is that is that the correct term of what we're even talking about? It's a bit of a mishmash between two terms that were, let's just use the word invented, okay. in parallel between me, a psychiatrist in Los Angeles, and a psychologist named Matthias Desmet in Belgium. We both arrived at the same conclusions, but we use different language. His term is mass formation. My okay. term is mass delusional psychosis. And McCullough and Malone's term is both combined together. Okay. Which is fine, but they mean all the same thing. I started using the term mass delusional psychosis way back in May of 2020. And I spoke about it in Washington, D.C. at a conference in June of 2020. What I meant by that and what I still mean by that today is an entire group, an entire population, which is the American people, all at the same time, losing their rational faculties, being unable to think, acting as a herd. That's what I mean by mass delusional psychosis. How is that achieved? I mean, is there a historical reference to, I mean, obviously there's been references to Nazi Germany, things like that, where you sort of have populations start moving in mass against what would sort of be the moral uh, standard that we'd been used to. Um, is this something that is only forced by, you know, larger organized groups on purpose? Um, well, this is where it gets interesting, Dell. Yeah. It doesn't just show up. The fuel is fear. We cannot become massly, delusionally psychotic without first being scared. The fear has been the driver behind this pandemic from the very beginning. Without fear, it all falls apart. Scientifically, medically, we won this battle at the very beginning. We've known how to treat this disease. We've known how to help people. We've known how to keep people safe from probably week two, week three. And it's the fear that has been driving and driven by government, by corporations and by media, all colluding together to perpetuate the mass delusional psychosis, meaning the irrationality, because it benefits them. Because the end stage, the end goal, the end point of this is the same as it is for every totalitarian regime throughout the 20th century, dependency on government. Once people are dependent on government, then they don't depend on their families, they don't depend on their churches, they don't depend on their communities. You had this great quote from the book. Uh, you say in the book uh, this, all delusions, though, are by definition irrational. This is what makes them pathologic. The harm they bring to the individual holds them comes from a diminished capacity to live with reality. They are also impervious to reason. Otherwise, they would simply be wrong-headed opinions that change once confronted with reality. 
Now, I know almost, I think my entire audience reading that knows exactly what we're talking about. But what's crazy about it is if I just took that quote and showed it to those people that are walking in the world that are crazy, they would say, yeah, that's exactly what they feel about us, right? They think we're crazy, that we are not, you know, recognizing the obvious incredible danger that this virus brings and the risk that we're all at. And if we're not wearing our masks, we're putting everybody at risk. They do believe that. And it's largely because of media. The media that they listen to every morning, they wake up and they listen to CNN, they read the New York Times. And what do they see every day? And what have they seen every day for the last 18, now 20 months? Cases, hospitalizations, and deaths from a virus. That's all they hear all day long. And if they hear yeah. anything else, it's all the people that are denying that are all right-wing conservative Trump-supporting crazy people. Right. And this is the propaganda. This is the hypnosis that many Americans have been under now for the last two years. They are no longer able to take in information which is truthful and objective. And you couple that with the fear where they wake up scared every day, people who are afraid, they don't want to go out and slay the bear, go to work. They wanna be protected. They're like infants and they're turning towards a higher power to protect them. And it used to be mommy and daddy. Well, now it's the government. The people who are not fearful, the people like you and I, we don't rely on those powers to keep us safe. We rely on ourselves, our families, our communities, our churches. That's what separates us. They are dependent and they are fearful and they cannot listen or hear any alternative arguments. This is why I've been saying from day one, this is not a data war. I completely agree with Dr. McCall and Dr. Malone on the data. We are in sync there. However, they have been speaking this for almost two years and it's not making any headway. What made headway in the last 48 hours? The term mass formation psychosis, which is not a scientific data term. It's a term about psychology. Right. It's about fear and craziness. This is what broke the internet. It right. wasn't data points about the failures of vaccines. It wasn't data points about the uh, risk of healthy people to a virus is essentially nil. Nobody cares about that because they're scared. But when they notice, when Americans who are scared hear the term mass formation psychosis or mass delusional psychosis, they think, whoa, that's interesting. That kind of describes me or my neighbor. There's something I'm curious to know more about that. And it's curiosity that has to precede the dropping of fear. People who are curious but fearful, they have a shot. But when I talk to people who are brainwashed, who are scared, who have no curiosity about the other side, no curiosity about what it means to be mentally ill, what it means to be paranoid, mm -hmm. there's nothing you can do for them. No data point is going to change their mind. A lot of people say there's so much information out there that, that conflicts. There's so many differing views. How do you know who to trust? Because mm -hmm. you want to be the right person. You want to follow the right people. You don't want to be the crazy person following all the nonsense. The right. one that's arguing that incantations and talismans are the way to get out of this. You want to follow the science. That's what we all say. Even the people that disagree with us that are scared say they're following the science. It's a very fair question. This is how I answer it. Don't follow me. Don't follow a guru. Don't follow someone who says he has a monopoly on truth. Just do the following. Ask yourself, the people that you followed, the people that you believe, the people that you trusted from the beginning, from March of 2020, have they been right or have they been wrong? 
That's how you show and prove that someone is telling you the truth. It's through patterns. Mm -hmm. It's not through projecting into the future whether someone is going to be right. And I can tell you that if you look back from the beginning, from March, April, May, and you look at the people like me, like Robert Malone, like Peter McCullough, mm -hmm. people that have been speaking out, providing you with information from the very beginning, they have been right. They have been proven right time and time again. And even more importantly, when they've been wrong, they have owned up to it. Right. The other side has never done that. Just think about Anthony Fauci. How much of what he said has been proven to be wrong? How many times has he changed his mind and how many times has he actually owned up to it and apologized? Never. Right. I think that's a very, very good way for any individual person who wants to be intellectually honest to see if he's on the right side or the wrong side. Don't trust me. Look backwards. You're listening to Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. And I am pleased to say that we've been pretty much batting a thousand with respect to all of our reports and commentaries on COVID since the very beginning. And by the way, living up to that standard of honesty and reputation is one of the reasons we keep every past broadcast of this show online. And you know, the observation that the theory of mass formation has been so popular is because people can relate to it in a way they can't to statistics and medical details seems pretty reasonable to me. But whether that will really wake up enough people remains to be seen. If we stop to think about it, fear is based on a single thing, the unknown. So it kind of makes sense that some form of curiosity has to precede the dropping of fear since that's the road to the known and to knowledge got this forwarded to me by listener Kathy M. a few days ago under the subject heading Definition of Insanity. Quote, correspondence with email friend today. I am up to wearing six layers of mask if I have to go anywhere in public, seven at the shelter, four when walking the dog. It's okay after I get used to it. And Kathy replies to her friend, are you seriously wearing that many layers of masks? I have to say, if so, that is totally insane. I hope you're joking. And her friend replies, Yep, I'm wearing that many layers. I have a box of four layer that I started with a couple of weeks ago. Then I was picking up an extra when I was signing in at the shelter. All they had were three layers, so I ended up with seven. I know it sounds nuts. I'm generally not talking much, and breathing is okay when I get used to it. End quote. Wow. What would you say to a friend who gave you an argument like that? That it's totally insane? Hope you're joking? <laughs> no, it's pretty clear that Kathy's friend has no interest in and no curiosity about reality and the knowledge that what she's doing is indeed totally insane. Now, on the COVID injection front itself, the news is not looking good. Listen to this quick exchange between Laura Lynn Tyler Thompson and Dr. Andrew Kaufman on something that sounds most alarming. And this is from her January 6th show. Yeah, well, the, the end goal is to set up uh, essentially a global surveillance system and a surveillance state. Uh, which can, you know, the centralized authority can exert full control over all the people. And the main um, obstacle or thing that they're trying to get us to in order to bring that about are vaccine passports. But essentially this, you know, digital ID type system is really the 
end goal of the pandemic, in my opinion, and will bring up uh, about this complete surveillance and control type of totalitarian state. Dr. Kaufman, I, I really believe you. Um, and I, I had some very highly placed, very educated people from Israel who contacted me to say that there is a digital number that is able to be gotten off of anyone who's vaccinated. Now I told them, well, I need more proof. I need videos. I need whatever. Well, the videos are all coming out, but the, the real test for me was I got my friend. He's got a Samsung phone and he took the phone and he, he followed the video in the steps with putting your phone into the mode. It's a Bluetooth application and you take it up to a vaccinated person and they have a number. And now more and more people are reporting on that. I'm not ready to say this is authentic, but something's going on. I have two high level people in Australia. Uh, the French have done tests on it. They're saying it's for real that people have a number. And sometimes with certain phones, especially, you know, Androids, you're able to tap into the number. And then when people go into a mall, there's thousands of numbers, you know, well, a lot of numbers as you're walking all through. So maybe it's already there. I, I don't know what to make of this new information. What I would make of this new information is that it's perfectly consistent with all of the other information we've been accumulating. In fact, subsequent to that discussion, there have been some further discoveries relating to the chips and the vaccines themselves, all pointing to some kind of tracking mechanisms. And then there's this item brought to my attention by listener Dave P., citing the Epoch Times of November 3rd. Note in particular, he writes, quote, New Zealand researchers calculated that spontaneous abortions occurred in 81.9% to 91.2% of the women who were vaccinated before 20 weeks of gestation, end quote. And finally from Andrew B., who writes, According to the life insurance claims, there's a catastrophic increase in death among working-age people. And this from the article, this from the Center Square on Indiana Life Insurance, quote, Davison said the increase in deaths represents huge, huge numbers, and that it's not elderly people who are dying, but primarily working-age people 18 to 64, who are the employees of companies that have group life insurance plans through One America, end quote. So, in the midst of all this bad news about the so-called vaccine injections, the alarm has been sounded that Donald Trump is pushing the vaccines in clear light of their harmful effects, and so should be considered suspect in some way. And that alarm is being sounded by the likes of Alex Jones and Stu Peters, two pretty open supporters of Trump's past policies and record as president. So let's apply some philosophical principles to the supposed mystery of why Donald Trump is continually pushing the vaccines. And to do that, let's listen to two very different narratives regarding this. On this side of the bumper, Alex Jones accusing Trump of being evil because of his vaccine support on a show he actually posted Christmas Day. And on the return side of the bumper, X-22's Dave Nazipsode offering a totally different narrative based on the same facts and observations made by Jones back on December 20. We would have had a 1917, remember the Spanish flu, killed perhaps 100 million people. Actually, it ended the First World War because the soldiers were so, a lot of people don't know that. The soldiers got so sick, it was a terrible thing. There were no vaccines, there were no anything. I came up with a vaccine, with three vaccines. Mm. All are very, very good. 
came up with three of them in less than nine months. It was supposed to take five to 12 years. This is an emergency Christmas Day warning to President Trump. You are either completely ignorant about the so-called vaccine gene therapy that you helped ram through with Operation Warp Speed, or you're one of the most evil men who has ever lived to push this toxic poison on the public and to attack your constituents when they simply try to save their lives and the lives of others. We're about to lay out the basic incontrovertible facts that what you told Candace Owens just a few days ago is nothing but a raft of dirty lies. And yeah, we more say, people have died under COVID this year, by the way, yeah, under Joe Biden, right. than under you. And more people took the vaccine this year. So people are questioning how... Well, no, the vaccine worked, but yeah. some people aren't taking it. The ones, the ones that get very sick and go to the hospital are the ones that don't take the vaccine. But it's still their choice. And if you take the vaccine, you're protected. Look, the results of the vaccine are very good. And if you do get it, it's a very minor form People aren't dying when they take the vaccine. Recently, Candace Owens attempted to confront you politely face to face with the fact that these so-called vaccines are causing a lot of death and illnesses. And you doubled down, saying that nobody has been hurt by these shots when that is just a flat out lie. It's on record they cause myocarditis and heart attacks. And then you tripled down on top of that and said that 90% of people in the hospitals around the world have not had the vaccine. When the facts and the statistics show the opposite, in Germany, in the UK, in the US, in Canada, across the world, in places like Israel, the double and triple vaxxed are more than two times likely to become sick and to be hospitalized and or die. In fact, a new study came out just this week. Here it is for you to research it, President Trump. Within three months, you are twice as likely to become infected by the Omicron variant if you took the Pfizer vaccine. That's because it's erasing your immune system. And that was the plan. Erase the population's immune system and make them dependent on ongoing gene therapies that have to be taken as often as every day. That is the plan, the big pharma takeover of humanity via the immune system. From day one of the so-called vaccines rollout, Pfizer and the FDA have fought tooth and nail to stop any documents being released to medical whistleblower groups. But in the last two months, federal courts have ordered the FDA to release several tranches of millions of pages of documents. The first two data dumps show conclusively that the so-called vaccine has caused thousands and thousands of deaths and more than 160,000 adverse reactions, including spontaneous abortions and miscarriages. It's one thing to rush the shot out because you believed it would save the people and help in the lockdowns. But now that you know that Fauci signed you onto a fraud, you must extricate yourself from this lie or you will be forever known as the MVVP, the most valuable vaccine pusher. And the name Trump will be associated with pure evil. Do not go down in history as Joseph Mingala 2.0. It's almost too late for you to turn back. Children are becoming maimed and dying all over the world. And more and more top scientists and medical workers are going public 
This house of cards is coming down. Klaus Schwab, Peter Daszak, Bill Gates, Anthony Fauci, they all bit off more than they can chew. We know they premeditated this whole Operation Lockstep takeover. The evidence is clear. They tricked you to sign on to this. I get it. You wanted to be the hero. You wanted to get the vaccine out there to get the economy moving again. I saw how you were deceived. But now, you are clearly signing on to this lie. And that's why it's so important that this be on the public record, that you were warned and that you were conscious and that you made a decision. President Trump, there is not much time left for you to turn back. Now, Trump, he knew that this pandemic, they were planning on this to go for 5, 10, 15 years. Actually, the New York Times put out an entire spread showing how long it would take for a vaccine, which means the global economy would have been shut down for 10 years. Think about what the world would look like in 10 years if everything was shut down. Would there be food on the shelves? No. Would there be credit freezes? Yes. Would your lights be on? Probably not. The world would be a complete and utter disaster. How many people do you think would die during this period of time? Well, they actually looked at this. It was hundreds of millions of people. Hundreds of millions of people would die. Trump, he saw this. He says, okay, we can have hundreds of millions of people are dying, or I can go ahead and release a vaccine, which is really not a vaccine, just to counter what they're trying to do. Now, Trump, he was on with Bill O'Reilly and he discusses this. Take a listen and listen very carefully in what he says. But look, we did something that was historic. We saved tens of millions of lives worldwide. We, together, all of us, not me, we. We got a vaccine done, three vaccines done, and tremendous therapeutics like Regeneron and other things that have saved a lot of lives. We got a vaccine done in less than nine months that was supposed to take from five to 12 years. Because of that vaccine, because of that vaccine, Millions and millions of people. I think this would have been the Spanish flu of 1917, where up to 100 million people died. This was going to ravage the country far beyond what it is right now. Take credit for it. Take credit for it. It's a great, what we've done is historic. Don't let them take it away. Don't take it away from ourselves. You're playing that, you're playing right into their hands when you sort of like, oh, the vaccine. If you don't want to take it, you shouldn't be forced to take it. No mandates, but take credit because we saved tens of millions of lives. Take credit. Don't let them take that away from you. Okay, so the president made news. Do you agree with that? Right? Both the president and I are vaxxed, and uh, did you get the booster? Yes. I got it too. Now, if you listen to him, he tells you exactly what he did. He doesn't support mandates. You have the choice to get a vaccine or not. Now, he will never admit because he cannot remember the optics. What happens if Trump says, listen, I'm not taking the vaccine. I'm not taking a booster. I'm not taking anything. What would happen at this point? Think about it for a second. Think about what happened with HCQ. What do you think the fake news the deep state would do? Everything that you're seeing would be blamed on him, wouldn't it? Remember, he has to show he created the entire program to counter what they were trying to do. He's never going to come out and say, hey, vaccines are bad. Hey, don't take your booster. You know what? That's your personal choice. Do the research, find out what's going on, and then make a decision. He tells you that's what you need to do. He was counting on people to do this. And guess what? 
they did. But him for himself, he cannot because he cannot say, hey, Trump supporters, don't take the vaccine. It's bad because they would use the bomb on him. Just like when he came out and said, hey, we should use HCQ to stop this. It works. What did they do? So he has to go along with this. Optics are very important. And remember, we're in a war. Yes, there's going to be casualties in this war. Think about a war that with there's bullets, there's missiles, and there's death and destruction. Are there certain circumstances where a general or a commanding officer says, listen, I know this is gonna get a lot of my troops killed, maybe myself, but if we can do this, it's gonna help the greater good, where there are certain individuals have to sacrifice so other things can happen. So Trump right now, when you think about it and say, why would he take the vaccine? You know, why would he take the booster? Well, we're in a war. He's the commander in chief. He has to keep the optic because he's saving the rest of the people. Now, the other thing that's very interesting is that we know that this pandemic is a pandemic now of the vaccinated. Isn't it strange how the vaccinated are the ones who are getting COVID? Why? Because before the vaccine, there really wasn't a pandemic. They created out of a fake test. With the vaccine, they thought, oh, now we can have the pandemic. Let's give everyone COVID. This way we can do booster after booster after booster. Once we change the tests and we have everyone vaccinated, we can keep this going forever. But it's not working. You know why? Too many people are unvaccinated. And Alex Berenson put this out on Substack and said the following. Stunning data about vaccine failure from Ontario, Canada. The vaccines have now failed completely. The Omicron preferentially infects vaccinated people and actually shows a graph. It shows that the fully vaccinated cases are skyrocketing compared to the unvaccinated, which is almost a flat line. You can see the very difference between all this and their entire narrative is falling apart. Does this have to be done in a military trial? Yes. And I do believe these individuals who committed treason, sedition against the United States of America, they will be tried in a military courtroom. Remember, we're at war right now. They started the war. Trump's gonna finish it. And then we have Midnight Rider Channel on Telegram put this out. And Trump said something very interesting about dark clouds forming. Take a listen. Clouds hanging over our country right now. Very dark clouds. But we will come back bigger and better and stronger than ever before. I'm telling you that. So is Trump trying to tell us that the storm now is forming? I do believe so. I do believe that everything is being put into place. He's going to have the leverage. And once he has control, once he defuses the bombs, everything's going to move forward. Trump and the Patriots, they're going to be pushing a major offensive like we've never seen before. And the deep state players, the corrupt politicians, they're going to be in chaos. They won't know which way is up or down, sideways, left, right. They will have no clue. And Trump and the Patriots, they're going to hit them hard. And they're going to and the people, they're going to see the full truth. Patriots are in control. Well, what do you think about that? That was X-22's Dave Nazipzode, whose voice was first heard on this show back in February of last year, and about whom I'll say more in a moment. Both Alex Jones and Dave Nazipzode have expressed valid observations and presented valid facts, I think. And if I was to apply that test of truth outlined earlier by Mark McDonald, then Dave Nazipzode and Alex Jones passed that test of having their past narratives bear out. I think that both broadcasters are essentially honest and open and that their expressed values that I've heard over time are the right ones. And beyond that, I mean, they can disagree to their heart's content. 
But Alex Jones' argument that Trump is evil or is part of some greater conspiracy, I think at this point in time lacks a plausible narrative. He's completely correct in what he's observing, but it's circumstantial based upon a lot of assumptions, particularly the assumption that Trump's primary motivation and agenda are driven by vaccine concerns. I don't think so. Labeling Trump evil on that premise will prove to be a complete error if the perspective expressed by X-22 bears out. I find it fascinating how many people in my own circle have not heard of X-22, and I first discovered X-22 and David Nazipso back when I first heard about this thing called Q, or QAnon. He is one of the main voices associated with Q to this very day, and on February 11th of last year, our broadcast entitled QAnon at the Tipping Point will tell you everything you need to know about the phenomenon of Q. In fact, that broadcast was made around the time that the Q reputation suffered a serious blow for a lot of wrong and irrelevant reasons in my estimation. And with that thought in mind, in fact, you should check out the Amazing Polly's recent December 13, 21 show, Everything Old is Q Again. <laughs> but to give you some idea of X-22's relevance and audience, here are the kind of viewer stats he gets on Rumble. And this is on rumble.com forward slash lowercase c forward slash x22 report and i know he's on other platforms and sites as well but from what i've seen he puts out two shows a day the a show focusing mostly on finance and economics and the other the b show on politics and current events now when i was last on his site on january 11th at about 3 p.m that day's postings we're already showing 51,051 views for his A show and 206,893 views for his B show. And looking back to, say, January 7th, his A show got 62,800 views, his B show 236,827. So basically he's running close to 300,000 views a day between the two shows. And that's just on Rumble. The X-22 report has always continued to consider Trump as the country's current president, as the commander-in-chief in a war that most people have yet to wake up to. The Zipzode never changes his positive big-picture narrative, which is pretty positive from our point of view as well, and no matter his speculation and predictions, his facts and his updates on current events have always proven to be accurate. And you know, that's, that's what I think accounts for the kinds of numbers he gets on his shows. And I know a lot of people who tell me in secret, they don't want anybody else to know, that they listen to his show. But I've got to admit that it gets a little creepy when he cites various past Q posts, kind of numbered and annotated like passages from the Bible, as evidence of the greater reset plan that Donald Trump is spearheading. Nevertheless, I have to weigh all of this against a myriad of other Trump-related material that I've viewed and covered over the years, and I have to integrate all of that into my own broader perspective. And look, there's no question or doubt that a guy like Joe Biden should never be an occupant of the White House. I still regard him as a resident, not a president. The stolen election is a fact. The evidence keeps mounting and accumulating. It will not go away because even if hidden... From the pages of history, 
the real-world ramifications of a nation conducting its affairs without the consent or without the consensus of its citizens are profound and they are concrete. They're not just abstract and theoretical. The problem with accusing Trump of some kind of collusion with the enemy is that that's just not a plausible story, definitely not at this point in time. Remember our show last week, There's Always a Story. And the same evidence and visible factors can be used for completely different narratives. You have to be careful about that. And the factors are this, and I think they're kind of unrelated. One, that the vaccines are proving to be a disaster, true. And two, that Trump keeps promoting the vaccines and denying the consequences, also true. But we have a contradiction to deal with here, don't we? And we know that contradictions don't exist. And no one's addressing it other than to see it as some kind of sign of betrayal, which is inconsistent with everything we've seen about Trump before. And by inconsistent, I am, of course, referring to Donald Trump, to his excellent and consistent track record as the President of the United States, and as someone who did great good for the country. And I'm comparing that with any desire on his part to undo and destroy everything else beyond the narrow vaccine issue that he accomplished. And that's, that's a contradiction. That's inconsistent. Red flags. Make no mistake, the COVID virus is as much about defeating Trump as it is about enslaving the world because those two objectives are parallel. And if Trump's a non-issue or he's on the other side, then why all the continuing fuss about him? You know, I heard a rumor <laughs> that accuses Alex Jones of cooperating with Trump in some kind of psyop, setting it up as some kind of trap to use against the deep state. Well, maybe, but I don't know. I don't think so. <laughs> but on this show, the only tool that I have at my disposal in order to arrive at my interpretation of a true narrative about the whole Trump conundrum is to apply the objective rules of epistemology as best I understand them to the most reliable and plausible evidence and facts that are brought to my attention or that I find on my own. I'm not some kind of blind supporter of Trump, you know, quote, quote unquote, just because. But so far, by using this approach, we've been pretty much batting a thousand with our ongoing interpretations of this whole COVID pandemic since as far back as late 2019, which is before most people were even aware it was coming. Every prediction, or, or maybe I should say more accurately, every projection that we made on the show has come to pass, often much more quickly than anything we would have anticipated. And I tend to be quite confident with my interpretations because of one principle or rule that always keeps me covered. And you know, it's also a rule about fear and avoiding it. And are you ready for this one? Here it is. Never fear being wrong. <laughs> because, you know, in the end, I know I could be proven wrong. And that would be okay by me. Because in the process of learning what is wrong, we'll discover what is right. And so, from a perspective of being on an honest search for truth, that's a win-win situation, isn't it? And as long as truth is your objective, you'll always end up being just right, which is where I hope you'll end up being again when you join us next week as we continue our journey in the right direction. And until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right, and be right back here. We'll see you then. Fade into color, color into black and white, under the bedclothes, everything will be all right. 
<laughs> avoid germs. Gotta avoid germs. We're bad at avoiding germs. We're humans. We love germs. Everyone takes their phone to the toilet with them. We're not gonna survive. I, I hate germs, but I love Candy Crush, so I should take this germ transportation thing to the bathroom with me. And then as soon as I'm out of the bathroom, ring, ring, oh, hello. Hello. 